Hey guys, thanks for listening to Blacked Out. Today's episode is brought to you by Final Hearing, a novel written by Oscar Sanders. What would you do if the older brother that you looked up to was set up, indicted, and convicted for a crime he didn't commit? And in a fit of anger, you too become a convicted felon. Final Hearing is an adventure in life, sibling affection, and unforeseen real-life emotion. Pick up your copy today at www.malcolmentertainment.com. That's www.malcolmentertainment.com. Now, let's get to the show. Hey, what's going on, guys? Bronxers, Bronxites, and Bronx natives. I'm Rosalie Ruiz. And as always, this is Blacked Out. Randy's back. Randy Abreu, it's Blacked Out. Oh, man. Episode three? We missed you last week. Yeah. It's been a while. Wow, I'm back. Yeah. Yeah. I'm happy you're back. I went to a faraway land. You can't see his face, but it's beautiful, guys. It's beautiful. (laughs) Shining. Uh, By the chandelier. Yes. Yes. Angel sunlight. 61 degrees in the Bronx, but spring has finally sprung. We're uh, coming at you live from, is this Little Hollywood? Is this what they're calling Little Hollywood? Pequeño Hollywood in the Bronx. El Hollywood Pequeñito. Um, at the end of Colgate Avenue. Sound View, yo. Where We're in Sound right View. Uh, original neighborhood. Um, we're with Oscar Sanders, Oscar the Great, Ooh. special guest, yo. Author, local poet, uh, playwright, just all around thespian and um great contributor to bronx culture right now yeah so we're gonna have him joining in on the show hey guys how are you it's glad to be here yeah yeah no doubt it's always a pleasure to have you oscar you one of my favesies (laughs) uh last week we talked about weed um how it is the future of new york state really the country um just a quick update on that after our 420 weekend. Governor Cuomo recently announced, I think on Saturday, I think it was Saturday, uh, through his spokesperson that they are going to start releasing steps to decriminalizing and legalizing marijuana in New York State. So oh, I blacked out last week. You blacked out. To me. <laughs> what? Did he announce it on 420? Uh, I think it was the Saturday, yeah, as soon as oh, it turned. Wait, wow, you said steps to decrypt? What does that steps mean? Steps. So I'm guessing <laughs> maybe they want to, like, test out some new legislation, uh, get some votes. I don't know. But, I've, heard, you know. I've heard this this talk before. Steps, to me, sounds like we're going to establish a committee to look into oh. the benefits and negatives. And mm. eventually, I am going to hook my rich friends up with these corporate jobs. With where New York spreads weed, nah, I've heard that before. I need a real commitment about how this is going to be legalized recreationally. Everyone that has a record that is wiped off first. We empower low-income people to start their own small business because we all know people are baking in their kitchens and like <laughs> making ice cream at home, and these are entrepreneurs, dude. And yeah. this is an opportunity to change the world and say, look, we know we did wrong. Yeah. Well, that uh, the war on drugs was wrong, yeah. and a lot of people are still feeling it today. Families are feeling that shit today. 
Yeah, no, yeah. Um, so no, nah, yeah, I don't know. I don't trust. I don't trust the we're going to take steps. This um, is a, a Cynthia Nixon, Miranda from Sex in the City. Yes. Mm-hmm. Running for governor. Shout mm-hmm. out Sex in the City. Yeah, Cosmos yeah. all day. Yeah. And she already said that she is going to legalize it before. Then Cuomo said steps. So he's already following right, in her footsteps. That's, that's precisely why he's saying it is because he's trying to get back ahead of mm-hmm. this whole po- because. There's a lot of folks that can be connected to this issue. This is not a non-issue for certain people. Mm-hmm. And this is an issue also that can bring a lot of people out. And it's a, it's a shame that um, people haven't recognized that a long time ago and got involved. Because now, you know, I think that certain people and certain uh, groups of investment uh, type individuals are jumping ahead mm-hmm. and buying a lot of stock in this type of uh, this type of industry. Right. Yeah, I think right. even John Boehner, right? What John you just said. Boehner. And this guy was like adamant. I mean, adamant. John Boehner put so adamant, many black people you know, in jail. Little congressman yeah. from Ohio. A lot of black people went to jail because of a law that he made sure got passed in D.C. Yeah, and now he's on the board. Of a of a marijuana conglomerate. Yeah, yeah. Well, Ralph Ralph mentioned that last week. Um, oh, he man. he was just livid at the thought of what he what is he, he calls him Boner John Boner. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. But it's terrible. It's terrible mm-hmm. that so many black and brown communities, families, just lives, futures, worlds torn apart. Mm-hmm. by this and now we're seeing a change in the tone and I feel like all the ritual dances that happen over 420 are being answered I did some worshipping to the weed gods mm, the weed God. I'm not gonna lie right. I'm not gonna lie the present was presented by Cuomo so we'll see we'll see what happens um, we're gonna segue real quick uh, we mm-hmm. just wanted to touch up on that since you know 420 was upon us uh, mm-hmm. this past weekend. I Who hope... are the weed gods? What do you mean? Like, is it an actual bean or is it like a, a ghost, a green, like, like air in the sky? What is the, what is the weed? That piff. It's the green smoke that just encircles you, envelops you, and inspires you. To do better. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Cheech and Chong, Wiz Khalifa, Snoop Dogg, We Gods. We Gods. We Gods. You said it correctly. Uh, <laughs> you didn't leave anybody out. I got you. Um, yeah, man. I, I, every every 420, I, you know, drop a little out for the uh, the We Gods. Okay. I leave cookies out for Snoop mm-hmm. Dogg because, you know, <laughs> they say you're supposed to do that. Okay. <laughs> Um, but weed is our future. <laughs> weed is our future. But the people who are going to be making and consuming weed are now in school. And they're facing some pretty tough obstacles, specifically in New York City, um, in terms of resources, in terms of opportunities. Uh, little known fact, Randy and I, we met in high school. Mm. We met in high school. 14 years old. I actually asked Randy to go to the prom with me, and he pretends like he don't remember that. Mm. I don't remember that. He don't remember that? Uh, <laughs> what did I say? What did I 
Um, I think you were going with Rosalind. Yeah, that was, you know, that was that was me. I'm loyal. I'm a lawyer guy. Yeah. I was like, yeah. I'm going to go with two dates. I should have said, yeah. Rosalind or Rosalie. Ain't that a, ain't that a bitch? Ain't that a bitch? <laughs> Rosalind or Rosalie. Um, but Randy and I, we, we went to the High School of American Studies, which is one of the six... Six specialized high schools in New York City, which you need to take an entrance exam for. Um, Where is that located? Uh, it is by Lehman College, oh, okay. right on the reservoir. Okay. It used to be the reservoir building, and then they converted it into a school. Mm. Um, okay. When did we graduate? We graduated in 07. We were the second class, so it opened in 03. 02, 03. 02, 03. Really? Yeah, so we they were the second graduating class. class. Oh, and we, were wow. the sec- we were the first class, remember? Second class to graduate. Yeah, second class. Oh, Shout seven. out Senators. Shout out to the Senators. Oh, seven. Whoop, Check out the track team. <laughs> team. We are, um, we're doing a lot of boasting, actually, in this, in this part of the segment, but mm-hmm. um, we want to dedicate some hardcore uh, conversation to this later in the second half of the show. But uh, it's, one, it's number one in the country, no? New, high school American Studies is the number one high school in New York State. Number one in New York State. Four years. Four back years in a back. row. Four oh, years. Wow. Uh, countrywide, though, we're ranked. I think we're... Yeah, we got to be top ten in the country. We are. If not top five. I remember... Oh, damn it. How about science? Science is up there, but we surpassed every high school oh, wow. in the history of New York. Oh, wow. That's the greatest high school to ever exist. Check out the Moot Court team. Holla. 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 the debate team. <laughs> high school American That's Studies. That's impressive. That's yeah. impressive. It's so, cool. Yeah, we were like, a, it's a part of it, and it's, um, I think it's special, especially when we went through high school. It's a super diverse school. Yes. Mm. It was a super diverse mm. school. Segway, segway, segway. Mm. And we are super proud of the experiences we had in high school, as you can tell just by how we're speaking about it. Um, mm. Had we not went to the same school, we this podcast wouldn't be happening. Mm-hmm. That's true. Um, so I recently read, uh, over the weekend that there's going to be legislation submitted to try and diversify the specialized high schools in New York city. So there's, there's six of them guys. There's six. Uh, I'll list them out for you. There's Bronx high school of science, which is probably most known. Mm -hmm. Um, you have Stuyvesant, you have American studies, Brooklyn tech, uh, there's the city, city college. city college high school, and Fiorello LaGuardia Performing Arts is technically considered one of the specialized high schools. Oh wow! Okay. Um, all of them, you have to take an entrance exam. I think Fiorello, you actually need to do like an interview and put a piece together. Okay. Um, but it's a lot of preparation. This is your ul- This is ultimately your first run of college. Your preparation for college. Um, so I want to get into that more and really talk about how this legislation that's being presented can affect an already prestigious institution by trying to, I don't know, shake the foundation a little too much. So we'll be back. We're going to take a quick break and, uh, hope you enjoy the show. Stay tuned. What's going on, everyone? This is Sal from the Bronx, here to invite you 
to the next Bronx Progressives General Meeting, April 29th, Sunday, April 29th, 1 to 3 p.m., Bronx Progressives Community Conversation, IDC, with the Bronx Progressives, April 29th, 1 to 3 p.m., Bronx Progressives, we're going to talk with, and we invite, Kindeja Chiaro. New York City campaigns organizer at the Alliance for Quality Education of New York. She's going to be leading the conversation, talking about the IDC, its role in stopping public schools from moving forward. Wow, this is Sal. A mi gente. Let's go. Bronx Progressives, April 29th, Sunday, 1 to 3 p.m. Check us out on Facebook, Bronx Progressives. And we're back. I didn't know Sal was coming. Um... That was Sal. random. Wow, yeah. thanks, Sal, for coming through. Yeah. Inviting everyone to the Bronx Progressives meeting. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Sal. He, uh, he's a character. He's a character. It's a funny night. Passionate, too. Yeah. Passionate. yeah. <laughs> wow. 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 Um, <laughs> thanks again, Sal. Yeah, so I actually uh, I looked it up during the break, and there's, uh, there's like seven specialized high schools in there's New York. There's seven now, seven. Wow. wow. There's okay. one in Staten Island, too. Wow. In no particular order, but alphabetical. Bronx High School of Science, shout out, we know them. Brooklyn Latin, Brooklyn Tech, Fiorello LaGuardia, you got that one. High School of Math, Science, Engineering at City College. High School American Studies, go Senators Woo-hoo. all day, Lima College. Queens High School for the Sciences at York College. Yeah, that's a bad name. Staten Island Tech. And everyone's second favorite, Stuyvesant High School. <laughs> Go Senators. Go Senators. It's only their favorite because of the location, really. Um, so, as I said, I mentioned over the weekend, uh, Senator Jamal Bailey and NPR released... Uh, you know, simultaneous coverage of the bills that they want to introduce. Well, not they. It's Jamal Bailey's bill. Um, but NPR kind of, they, they gave their opinion on it. Right. And the one that I focused on the most, and I want to get your opinion um, on Oscar, they specifically in the bill want to lower, they mentioned lowering the standards for black and brown people to get into these schools. Um, I don't know if these schools were around when you were going into high school, were they? Uh, Brooklyn Tech was, science was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sci- the science has been around, around for, for a while. Yeah, because yeah, I think, I, well, I graduated in, what, 78? 78, okay. Something like that. Yeah, uh, the, the one we went to was 03. It was fairly new. But when you lower, but when you're lowering the standards, how is that affecting me in terms of uh, my worth? Right. And how much money I can make, how much I can earn, mm-hmm. and, and my liquidity. Am mm-hmm. I able to move around? Can I be global? Can I be national? Right. If I don't have a certain level of education, mm-hmm. and you take that education, you say, well, you're lowering it. Now, what else is being lowered? Am I going to still, is my pay going to be lowered? More than likely. Right. You I, know, if you expect less fr- from me, <laughs> right, you ain't going to pay me, you're not going to pay me more. That's true. So that's, a fa- that's not a good thing. You know, don't, you don't lower the standards for me. And it's so good mm-hmm. that you put it in that perspective because 
right now we have a generation of the most educated people who are getting paid the least since the baby boomer. We're getting paid mm. less than our parents. Um, and it's because they're all going to school, but it's like under what circumstances now? Like you start to think like, what is, what am I worth? What is my education worth? Um, and am, am I getting, and am I getting the proper education? Right. That I need that I can take that way I can compete in college, or do I got to take a bunch of prerequisites? Right, right. Specialized high school education in New York City definitely helped me when I got to college. Okay. And legit. I would, and it's I would believe so. A damn blessing, I think, that I got into that school. Mm -hmm. And the bill, the lowering standards, that's interesting because I, I say it in two ways. Yeah. You, the lowering standards part of the bill is where if you missed, you failed the test by a little bit, and you're a person of color from a disadvantaged community, you're allowed to try again with a summer program before. If you pass certain classes, you can go. Is it giving a leg up? Yeah. And it's just like saying, ah, oh, man, everyone's going to look down on it, too, and, and it's going to have a stigma. It's just, we're just giving this out. But, like, damn, am I going to take that? Hell yeah. I, if, if it can get you into the school, I think that one's fine. The, the one, there's another part of the bill, though, that says we can, I did this program, uh, the Dream Program, and it was, uh. That's how you got into. I did this, that was like a summer program or 10-week, like, prep for the exam. Mm -hmm. I thought that was cool. But now the part of the bill for, for, for this is, if you're in the sixth grade, we're going to give everyone an exam. And if you score a certain amount, you know you're like probably could probably win. So we focus on you. That I don't think is cool because you, and not everyone's going to score that high. And then you're going to ignore the ones that don't do well. And it's not their fault. We have the shittiest public schools. Um, so you're going to be some people are going to fall through the cracks with that proposal. There's another one. I'm sorry. There's another one that says establish a committee at the Department of Education to look into this and propose things again that whole we're gonna yeah that that sounds like really top down there's so all of these specialized high schools especially american studies has an internal committee of alumni mm -hmm. who are looking into this and trying to do this so if if it's established at the department of education my suggestion is your your first contact should be the schools and the alumni association who are already doing it that's right. that's where the real answers will come from it just sounds like more bureaucracy and i i mentioned mm -hmm. it on last week's episode bureaucracy is new york's number one commodity mm -hmm. it's how we make money as a city yeah. we create blockage yeah and, that's and ways to uh slow down the process and in the in, in the midst of all that process people are making money yeah yeah that's how that's how they that's how they see it. so but you might never get what what you ultimately trying to achieve you never get there because there's so many obstacles from people you know, that are getting fat right. off of, you know, dysfunction. Right. And, you know, and right. that's tied into all kinds of things like, you know, stigmatism and racism. Mm -hmm. What school did you go to? New York School of Printing. Trade school? Yeah. I think trade school. Now it's graphic arts and communications, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like trade schools need to make a comeback, honestly. Um, you don't hear, you don't hear. You, know, you don't hear about trade schools mm -hmm. anymore. Like, mm -hmm. I, I remember growing up watching TV and thinking we were going to have home ec and what was the other one? Wood shop. 
Bronx Science has wow. woodshop. I never thought about that. Bronx Science has woodshop. Wood yeah. Like, <laughs> I wanted to learn some shit. I wanted to be handy. I'm a lesbian. What are you, come on. <laughs> um, but, I don't know. I, I feel like they're creating a solution to a problem that already had a solution, and they took the solution away, and now they're approaching it in a bureaucratic manner. I got into American Studies because I went to MSI. MSI. That was, that's what I went to MSI. You went to MSI too? That was it. MSI. Hey, MSI. Whoop, whoop. So as a student, <laughs> it was more so my choice than my parents' choice. Um, I, I would say the same probably for you too, Randy. Our parents being like first... No, they immigrated here. My mom immigrated here. Yeah, mine too. Okay. So we're first generation... Uh, you know, Americans, and mm-hmm. our parents didn't really understand the whole process. Right. So when it was presented to me, the opportunity of going to MSI and possibly getting into an amazing school, mm-hmm. I thought long-term as an 11-year-old mm-hmm. <laughs> because mm-hmm. these are the decisions that we were, grow- like, I was taught this in elementary, like, I don't know where the disconnect is. I'm not in school right now. I'm I'm well above that. Well past that. Thank God. But <laughs> at 11 years old, I knew I needed to take my part on and make sure I seized every opportunity to make sure I got a great high school education. I wasn't even thinking college. I was thinking high school. And I went to MSI, did the whole two years. It was summer school and Saturday school. Think about that. An 11-year-old sacrificing their summer voluntarily. It was summer. It was summer. It was real summer, not this climate change bullshit we're going through right now. It was real summer. For three years, the program was for three years. It was until you took your exam to get into high school. And during the school year, you had to go on Wednesdays and Saturdays. Wow. On top of your school Wednesday load. after school. Wednesday, Wednesdays after school and Saturday all day. I did it regimented. Like Very regimented. Very regimented. Oh, but geez. I tell you what. Give up your Saturdays. I passed that test. Passed that test. And I still struggled in American studies. Yeah, it wasn't easy. You, you go in and you take an AP U.S. history classes. Come on, what kid from the Bronx was ever prepared for that with the public school system? What kills me is how, the, like, later, we're, we're 10 years older, and our public school systems almost, I think they got worse. The, the public schools, there's less money. The, the schools are crumbling. There's overcrowded. It's worse, and it, there's less diversity now in the specialized schools. Once the public institutions fail, we're messed up. The society crumbles. You know, there's a, you know, the Bronx is, uh, what's it called, like, Area 51 or whatever. Um, what is that? A UFO no, reference? No, like, uh, <laughs> wherever the, like, uh, the specific location, whatever, I'm done talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. You take away the resources from the schools, you're feeding into that prison to pipeline, sort of. Because somewhere along the line, somebody is going to always excel. Right. But what you're doing to some other people that might be on the cusp, I feel, you can help them die. Yeah. Because, yes. Because those resources are going to cut somebody off. Mm-hmm. That means somebody's not going to be included. 
-hmm. not going to be supported, not going to be able to be in that school or in that academy or that place of education. I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not good. It's not good. But you know, this is how we, you know, we continue to create stressors in people's lives that over time cause them, you know, health problems, you know, psychological problems, you know, because nothing seems like, or as uh, John Kerry said at this conference one time, when people believe that the system is rigged against them. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, a, that's, a, that's, that's a terrible thing when people start to realize. They don't expect more. Right. When they accept less because they know, you know or they feel strongly that, you know, this is never going to change. Yeah. Because there are certain people that are feeding off of it and it's going to always be in a position where it's always taking from you. Right. And never giving back. It know? builds a complacent society and we don't need that, especially right now. We don't want Absolutely. to teach our young people that it's okay to just make it through. Right. Um, yeah, you have to put a, 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 some kind of um, degree of pride yeah. within yourself. You have to feel that about yeah. yourself so that you feel that you can, you know, you have to come to, to feel good and to uh, to create the greatness that we all have in us for whatever you know we're good at. You have to you have to be exposed, and, you, and when you don't fund something, you you you're taking away from people. Yeah, I so agree. Somebody somebody you know somebody that could be great is going to be cut off. Yeah, okay. going through the cracks. Yeah. We got too many, too many, too much money in taxpayer dollars going in. That there's no reason why in the richest city in the world, you know, we can't fill in those gaps. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. There's no excuse. We give we give money away for so much crap. So much crap. So much crap. Millionaires get tax breaks. Yeah. Just for building a quote-unquote affordable housing building that's only going to really be affordable. Twenty-five percent of the building is really going to be affordable. Uh, and quote affordable to who? Because we're doing like median incomes, and if you make thirty k, you're good. But how many people in the Bronx make twenty k and under? Come on. And how long are these buildings mm. going to last? Oh. That's my thing. You. We. I've never heard of anything. We've already seen, we haven't seen it, but you were around. We saw the Bronx go through a period where, like, everything was literally being burned down for money. Right. So what's to say once this real estate bubble bursts, because they always do, what's to say these buildings are still going to be around? We've invested so much in leasing. But are people going to be able to enjoy these these buildings, right? Yeah, I think that's where it's probably going. We're yeah. not. We're gonna be See, pushed out. You know, yeah. Because that, that's the, you know that's the issue. Where, where, is, it, where I, is it going? It's crazy. I think people like Oscar held the Bronx down from the days where you remember it was burning, mm -hmm. and the community rose through those ashes. <clears throat> and Rosalie and I, we're we're on their shoulders our parents' shoulders, and we rose through the ashes. Mm -hmm. While you saw the burning, we rose up through the yeah. ashes. We grew out of this. And everything that was built into the Bronx is making it so sexy 
for right. real estate right. right now. Right, right, And right. that's the, when the real estate board of New York has control over your politicians, you, you're going to get decisions every day that don't go in the people's interest. Right. So we're not too far from, you know, little Hollywood. Yeah. They got and, a studio coming up here. And uh, Junior yeah. lives around here, too, we found out. Uh, what's his face? Ruben. I heard, yeah, heard, <laughs> isn't this, I think we're in the district of the borough president and yeah. his Ruben Diaz yeah. Sr., maybe. Yeah. And they're both, they talk a lot Junior. about the, Junior. yeah, the borough Junior. And yeah. they talk a lot about the studio coming up, little Hollywood. And they're proud. The money, yeah, I would be proud if I was able to swing those deals, too. But that's a lot of money, not an opportunity mm, coming right. to this mm. community right, right now. Right. Yeah, that's, that's how the you, issue. How many, yeah, how many people from the community are going to be able to reap, you know? How are you preparing us yeah. right now to make sure we reap those benefits? Mm-hmm. I'm, I don't see that action plan, and we know the game. See, they should have a, like a, like a, what, do you, what would you say, like a TV, compo- like a TV production component yeah. mm-hmm. in the schools. Yeah. So that just, these kids can yep. come, you can be a feeder system directly yeah. to the studio. Bring mm-hmm. the community in and then give all the tech trade, technical. Trade school, yeah. Um, you need people to build your sets. You need, what are they called? Carpenters. Um, carpenters, yeah. Carpenters. I don't know who paid for the lease, but we should just call them up. Be like, eminent domain. We're taking it for the public. Oh. And we're going <laughs> to open this up only to the community to only make dope, lit films. And we yeah. win the Con Film Festival 2021, Bronx All Day Stand Up. All day, all day, all day. Try back in 2021, Bronx All Day. Ruben Diaz Jr., come on, man, let's yeah. win. Yo, we can call out to him. We're literally facing towards Junior's apartment. Yeah. Ruben, if this ever comes across your feed on Facebook, I know you blocked me personally. Oh, um, Trump's gotten but... away from me for worse. This is for the public. Yeah, you know, Little Hollywood shouldn't just be a tourist attraction. This should be something that the community is invested in. And, you know, we see what Jamal Bailey is trying to do. We don't like it. And we need to really refocus and reanalyze the situation. Do not create a committee board. Do not lower the standards for black and brown students. Offer more trade schools. We have a new growing sector in our backyard. Don't give a test to say who qualifies for the training. Give everyone the training. Give and everyone like, the identify training. Identify who needs a little extra loving. Like, Maybe they don't got internet at home, man. Like, it's hard out here in the street. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Universal Internet Access. <laughs> We're giving you free ideas, Ruben. You know, <laughs> these are, these basically, are the these are on the house. Um, mm-hmm. If you ever want to get in contact with the blacklist, let us know. We're chock full of ideas on how to integrate real estate, community, and business so that it benefits all of us, not just your donors and investors. I'm a notary now. <laughs> so. um, and, you know, just, just thinking about this neighborhood in particular, I live in Williamsbridge. Nobody knows it by that name. It's either you live in Gun Hill or you live on Allerton. But I live in a neighborhood called Williamsbridge. Take the two train, get off at Burke. Whoop, whoop. And I've always come past this area. And I looked up the statistics on uh, the incarceration rate and the neighboring areas. I believe it was, oh God, I think it was 20, 22% between the years of 1981 to 2001. 
black and brown people of the total population incar incarcerated. 22% is a lot. Exactly. And, and That's a lot. And that can be reduced. Um, first of all, I mean, a lot of the people that are really like padding those numbers mm -hmm. ha have a lot to do with the fact that they just can't make bail. Right. You know, they can't afford a lawyer. And also some of this stuff, you know, shouldn't you shouldn't even be arrested for. Right. You know, it's right. just, you know, it's just really petty stuff. But, you know, when you have that type of system going on in, where, you know, black and brown people are, are, you know, victimized, you know, that's what takes place. It's always a battle. It's always a battle to, you know, maintain your rights. Mm -hmm. And the, and and the, the system is constantly trying to roll them back. Mm -hmm. Always take what you earned, or what you deserve. I shouldn't even say earned. You know, as a human being. And I think it's so appropriate that you word it that way because it leads me to our next topic about prisoners in New York State prisons. Um, I've mentioned it before. I used to work for Bedford Correctional Facility, mm -hmm. which is where they shoot Orange Is the New Black. Whoop, whoop. Okay. Yes, it is in. You can see my office in the episode. How, how, how many years they've been shooting it there? Ah, uh, like what is it? I think it's its fifth season now. All of them? All yes. the seasons? All the seasons? Oh, I never knew that. Yeah. Oh, all okay. It's two facilities, so it's a minimum facility and a maximum facility across the street from each other. Uh -huh. I worked at the maximum, and. Okay. In the episode when they're taking Nichols to Max, you can see my office in the distance. Oh. <sighs> you could probably look through the window and see me crying. <laughs> oh. But um, when I worked in the prison... That's another story. Huh? Yeah, that's another story. Oh, God. It was, <laughs> well, actually, when I worked in the prison, I'm not going to lie, there was a huge conflict for me internally because I was making so little working for the state and giving so much of my time mm. and just I, I couldn't fathom as to how my mother worked in civil service for so many years it's horrible work and I found myself being jealous of the inmates at one point I found out that they received free PhD programs they got free daycare programs. They set you up with every single benefit you could think of. Mm -hmm. They helped you obtain. That was your right to, in your rehabilitation process. And I, as a struggling 22, 23-year-old working in the state, I, I was jealous of them because I was working so hard and I lived such a great life and I'd done nothing wrong. But I couldn't even afford to go to college. So it always made me wonder, like, why I even wanted to work there. I don't work there. I quit, obviously. But I read recently, not recently, a few months back, Cuomo wants to end the education program for inmates. They, they will no longer allow donation of books and educational items to inmates to study for their tests, whether it be GED, college prep, what? associates. You cannot have access to donated items. You have to buy them from your commissary. 
Now, I don't know if you know how commissary mm-hmm. works. You So you're saying basically that they're going from being free to making you pay for it. Yeah, you have to now pay for your education. In jail. In jail, <laughs> which is supposed to be a part of your rehabilitation <laughs> to make you productive oh for God. when you come out, you can help this economy. <laughs> no, that's capitalism for you. Yeah. They squeeze every penny out of you. Yeah, this was via the New Yorker. Uh, this came, this article was uh, January. I mean, at one point, you as a society have to help the person get on their feet. You have to put. You have to drive the engine. They need the training. They've been bruised. They've been harmed. There's a reason why they're doing what they're doing. Do if you ever get to the really root of why a lot of people commit crimes, you'll see that there's a lot more to it. And if, they, if we spent as a society a lot more time solving that problem, because a lot of them are psychological and emotional, mm-hmm. a lot of crime would be reduced. Yeah. But, you know, we treat people brutally, you know, and, uh, you know, people, it's funny, we talk about third world countries, but when you really think about it, we're the most underdeveloped. Yeah, and 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 and, and, and hypocritical, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. we're so we're so you know, listen, you know, you know, we go and you know, the, the, and the and the and the, the home of the brave, you know, all yeah. that great, you know, America. Life, liberty, time, pursuit of happiness. At the soon, at the same time, they're taking somebody's health insurance. They're yeah. taking somebody's benefits. They're taking somebody's. It's amazing how, to, and you know, and you can say that. And then on top of that, where they have you held at. <laughs> They still have that godly trust over your head. The you know, same they still, you know, they document still use that. that we're founded on. Life, liberty, pursuit of happiness says mm-hmm. black people are three fifths of a human. Yeah. In the, our founding paper, we let it be known that we're going to do that. You can have everything you want, but we're going to take from certain people to make sure you can have whatever you want. So I don't think. Like all those ideals, everything they say about the country, it's nice to believe that. But in mm-hmm. our communities, that ain't true. It's never mm-hmm. been true. So we send aid to other countries. We talk about helping other countries. Yeah, that's nice and all, but people are hungry here. People, yeah. kids are, public school kids are homeless in the Bronx. That's just that's reality. Amazing. It's everywhere in the country. Man. Yeah. You go to Miami, yeah. Dade yeah. County. Yeah. Like, it's nice in certain parts of Miami, but other parts of Miami, it's, there's no internet. Back to the internet. And no, yes. like, no one gets that education. Wow. I don't want to say it's a conspiracy that they want to keep people dumb so that they can like drain from society and keep getting rich, but it's, I mean, it seems like that. Or mm-hmm. I'll give them benefit of the doubt. They're just blind because they've never grown up in community. They never grew up in the hood. They never. They don't have meaningful relationships with people of color who are low-income people. So they, mm-hmm. and they're also in power. It, it's yeah. like I, I think we're getting played when we don't have people that we just put in government. That's where you write the laws. That's where you make and you got enough people. That's a team. You form that team. You got a caucus. Enough people in your caucus. You controlled whatever many years are on that term. It's hard four years, hard two years. Get the governor too next time around. And then you'll see maybe eminent domain on all that studio behind us. Yeah, you have to remind people that you actually have a say in local politics. It's all local. Maybe not federal, but local. And that's what matters most because it's through the local arm that you can stop federal from infringing on your rights. 
Think about it. Some of these some of these applications for some of these buildings or even city department of buildings and apply for that permit change or that construction license so those decisions lead four or five years later to that development gentrification so it's it's local and we have been fooled by less by miseducation less education poor public schools we're not even giving prisoners books anymore who do you think's in prison That's poor true. black people poor brown people more people That's from the bronx who are already fucked up yeah you know what? They'll find yeah. in a book after a few years of getting out. They can re-register to vote, and they don't want them to know that. Wow. They don't want your vote. I didn't even That's know right. that. Yeah. You know, it, you know, it's just a, it's just a, it's just, it's just all control to a all point control. where you know certain people are just we're gonna just control certain people's economic ability to you know do better and ascend and you know and it's just a it sometimes it almost feels like you almost almost like how you feel about bed bugs you know it's like you gotta burn it yeah it's like you can't fix it because it's generational i mean when you see kids in schools 13 years old punching black people white kids punching black people in the face and saying i i, I, I i'm with trump then how can you ever, even if you wait until certain hierarchies die off, mm -hmm. the kids are just, they're just as racist. Yeah. So it's almost, you know, how do you, how do you, how do you get, how do you get it out? Right. Totally. You know, it's always this like good and evil thing going back and forth fighting for, you know, the, you gain it. They try to take it back. You gain it. You try to take it back. You know, and yeah. it just goes back. Nobody accepts the law. <laughs> Nobody says. But everybody wants to enforce they it. They always want to take it back. They always and push somebody back. Yeah. Or somebody never. Somebody has to have more rights than you. Yeah. It can't be equal. It just can't be. I just got to be able to have a, a little bit more than you. But Say and control and power and privilege. I'm talking. Greedy. Yeah, right. Everyone's only needs. capitalism, right? It's only what America's. But see, that's the problem. When it's nothing wrong with capitalism and entrepreneurism. No. But but when it comes to the point where you're controlling, yeah. yeah, and you're controlling, you know, certain areas. That's like what happens when there's no regulation. You allow like the nasty of every part of society has that dirty, dark black market side of it. Everywhere. And capitalism is no different. You got some people like our president who has abused tax and bankruptcy laws to make sure certain poor people and construction workers don't get paid while mm -hmm. he escapes tax liabilities. He's, he makes so much money and he doesn't really give it back in the community. No. He said in, in the late 80s, like four mm -hmm. black guys killed someone, put it in the newspaper, put them in jail. Like he, it wasn't even true. The Central yeah. Part Five, yeah. and right. that was more like right. that was Trump propaganda, and he's always shown in him that he doesn't care about being socially responsible, mm -hmm. and yet a lack of regulations that come down on people like that have allowed his capitalism to grow and be nasty, so nasty that he became president with enough people to vote for him. 
He's a nasty man. He's a nasty man. <laughs> so nasty, and sometimes Trump. Sometimes you just can't understand how you know how he was, how he got elected. He tapped into he tapped into this this group of people that people just you know at this point were so so angry, so racist, so angry, so bigoted. I'll say and angry. And just after Obama, it seemed like they just was like, you know, they... Wait. Yeah, it's like, they, they, they actually think that they're going to, they have, they have some advantage yeah. from having Trump as president. This man does not care about anybody. No, yeah. But the 1%. You know, the only legislation he's really gotten passed mm -hmm. is "quote unquote" historic tra tax cuts. Yeah, which were yeah. historic. Yes, uh, stats. Yo, those were big tax cuts, bro. Mm -hmm. Put it on the table, let them hang. Big right. tax cuts right. for the one percent. Right. Yeah, corporations got out like bandits with the Trump administration. Oh, they were already hurting from Obama regulations, which were mostly put in place to protect the people. All right, relax, yeah. everyone. If yeah. you really want to like be cool, yeah. like have a real conversation about it, right. but they got rid of so many regulations for corporations, and they gave them like a eight, nineteen, eighteen percent tax cut. That's a lot of money that's never going to trickle down. We saw that with Reagan; it doesn't yeah. work in the hood, but it it turned um, Jay Z into a monster. And so <laughs> shout out to Reagan, Jay Z, how blue ivy. That's a good one. <laughs> um. That's actually, that's a good little pausing note. Uh, <laughs> I want to take a break and then we're going to come back and wrap up the show. Oscar will be a excerpt from his novel, A Final Hearing. So stay tuned, guys. Hey, everybody. I'm Oscar Sanders and you're listening to Blacked Out. You can keep up with me on Facebook and Twitter at Oscar Sanders. And we're back, and we're going to wrap up the show. Oscar, thank you so much for joining us today and chatting thank with you. us. It was my pleasure. It's, it's been a while. I'm so happy we got to do this. Yes, and it's, it was long overdue, you know, as a, a film I made called Billy Bang Long Overdue. This was long overdue. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. We, there's uh, many other things to do in the horizon moving forward. Yes. I look forward to it. I look That's forward to it as well, yes. Yeah. I, I've known Oscar for some time, and i got to say, he really is the greatest that's why that's his nickname <laughs> highly of you as well thank you thank you thank you um randy when, I, when's I, the next progressive meeting bronx progressives are meeting up april 29th 1808 trafalgar place i think that's the two five train to 174 shout out to the two five i just want to put in my two cents I, I have not known oscar for a long time less than a year though but last year i was running for city council and Rosalie and I, we put together like a really cool spoken word little night on Fordham and Oscar lit it up. There's a recording out there somewhere. There were these Latinas singing karaoke afterwards. It was dope. <laughs> Everyone got together. We were talking about a bunch of things and mm -hmm. that's the kind of, mm -hmm. Oscar's the OG, man. I'm going to, mm -hmm. I'm going to text you at night sometimes with mm -hmm. random questions. <laughs> Thanks for coming through, Oscar. Award winning, playwright, director, spoken word artist. Political advocate, man, OG, 40 years in the Bronx, Oscar mm -hmm. Sanders is going to do some 
Beautiful spoken word for us right now, huh, Rosalind? Yeah, actually, he's going to uh, read an excerpt from Final Hearing. Um, you can also catch Oscar. He's running presentations of his play, Exposing Politics. Oscar, tell us about that. Yeah, uh, Exposing Politics is a culmination of uh, all of the, uh, well, not all of them, but at least 20 uh, poems, spoken word poems of various length. And uh, it talks about, uh, it's like a, a, a deep meditation on the, uh, uh, the political landscape in America. And it talks about everything from uh, the politicization of the military, the pay-for-play scandal, Flint water, yeah. uh, children's, children's, <laughs> yeah, children's lives, and, you know, called children's, uh, Children Matter, you know. Right. And, um, yeah, it's an over 75-minute uh, play. Uh, with another gentleman called Nakash uh, Darrell, which does the percussion. He, so we uh, we can also we transform the audience and, and take them really like rurally down south because we have a, uh, a rendition of um, uh, Sergeant Waters from okay. Soldier Story mm -hmm. uh, called uh, She They Hate You. Meaning, no matter what you do, how no matter how good you do, how how much you excel, mm -hmm. how much you stay out of debt, how much you take care of your kids, how much you you know you stay a good person, you do everything, they still hate you. Right. You know, and it's uh, in that same vein as uh, Sergeant Waters from Soldier Story. So a lot of people connect to it. So it's it's got some stuff that really takes you home, and um, really makes you think about politics and how you know the system and process works. Right. Right. So I still have to see it. I got to see it. I love Little Lives Matter, though. Yes. Little Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> When is the next show? Uh, it's going to be May 4th uh, at the Brownsville Heritage House okay. in Brooklyn. Where is that? So it's a pre-Cinco de Mayo. What train is that? The 5? Uh, is that? No. Was, I think it was the F. The F train? To Janice. That's where, how I went. J-A-N-I-U-S. Janice. Okay, but but yeah. make four. Yep. Put it in the cl the calendar, guys. Oh, Brownsville. Yeah, Brownsville. Brownsville. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to them, bro. Emily Little Santos, man. Yo, there's a great organization that works in This guy's the mayor. Wow. <laughs> yeah, who the hell does he don't know? He knows everybody. He gets around. Every, yeah, every part of this. Every part of this, 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 uh, this borough. It's on this good little development said, project, little okay. outdoor market. Shout out to Emily De Los Santos. She knows more about it than I do. <laughs> I went there once. It's a lot. Of, it's, I mean, there's certain blocks that just always give me that Fordham vibe. Like, a, like okay. in the hood, and there's a bunch of the Jimmy Jazz, Dr. J's. Right, right. Um, there's that grocery store. There's that community vibe. Walking down Brownsville right. at one time. I went to Bye. the Kennedys afterwards. No, oh, okay. Yeah. Shout, out yeah. Shout out to Jimmy Jazz. Jimmy Jazz, I got a good, yeah. good deal on sneakers last year. Mm -hmm. Bought my feelers <laughs> from there. Bought my feelers from there. <laughs> $55 free shipping yeah. and handling. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but, you know, BX yeah. shoes. BX yeah. sports. BX sports. Yeah. Shout out to the, yo. Yo, word. If you want good sneakers, come to the Bronx. That's um, right. Shop at BX that's sports. Right. <laughs> that's it, yeah. Bronx, the Bronx definitely, you know, represent on the sneaker side. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but no. without further ado, Oscar, if you would grace us with uh, an excerpt, please. Okay. This is uh, from uh, my uh, political murder mystery book entitled 
final hearing. This is chapter six of the backstory. Two weeks elapsed before Reggie felt ready to leave the comfort of his 28th floor condo at the Cottonwood, a building located in the small Bronx community of Riverdale. He finally ventured out to visit family and friends in Harlem, Brooklyn, and Queens before stopping at his old stomping grounds in the Soundview section of the Bronx. When he returned home, there was a message on his answering machine. An anonymous voice on the message informed him that history would be repeating itself at 9 p.m. that night. He didn't know what to make of it. Reggie looked at his watch. It was 8.48 p.m. One thing was certain. Reggie spent the remaining 12 minutes trying to figure out what part of history was actually repeating itself. He turned on the television just in time to hear the narrative. To understand the intricate tale, one has to start at the beginning, the news commentator said. It's been over 11 years since the events that have come to be known as the bribe and burn trial have occurred. He couldn't believe that ATV's Insight was doing a documentary about him and his brother Vincent. Reggie felt honored in a twisted kind of way. He decided to give Vinny a call. Hey, man. They're telling our story on Insight right now, Reggie said. Yeah, man, right now? Channel 12? Both brothers. Both brothers and what felt like an entire world watched as the story was retold. In 1976, Vinnie, a.k.a. Vinnie Cochran, was sworn in the New York City Council, representing the 17th District of the Bronx. Vinnie became a city councilman in an unusual way. The people of the Bronx were ready for change, so in 1972, the 17th Council District elected Joel Bernstein, a Bronx businessman with no political experience, to the seat. Bernstein was a popular councilman who quickly proved himself as a fast learner in New York City politics, but in 1974, after leaving dinner in a Queens restaurant, Bernstein fell ill and died of a mysterious illness at his home two weeks later. Only two days after his death, the New York Times ran an exclusive titled Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, which was disclosed that Sean Taylor, a waiter at the restaurant who called police and emergency medical services after finding Bernstein unconscious, saw Vinny, then the political consumptive to Bernstein, leaving the restaurant just before police and EMS arrived. Police questioned Cochran, but nothing ever came of the inquiry. Nobody, was wanted, to, nobody wanted to believe that Vinny could have had anything to do with his mentor's death. About a month after Joel's funeral, a special election was scheduled between Vincent Cochran and Bernstein's wife, Judy, an accomplished lawyer with a Wall Street law firm. When the polls closed on election night, Judy Bernstein pulled out a squeaker that shook the Bronx political community. Bernstein had gone at 52% of the vote to Cochran's 48%. The difference between the two was less than 4,000 votes. Vinnie called for a recount, but later recanted his request. He didn't want to appear to be a sore loser, but by then it was too late. Taking out a full-page ad in the New York Times, the New York Post, and the New York Daily News to apologize to the constituents, to the constituents of the 17th District, Vinnie wrote, No one came to the aid of my doleful campaign, unquote. Vinnie further stated that he got no support from the Dems, which prompted him to join the Liberal Party. Many political watchers labeled Vinnie's, Vinnie's campaign as primitive, adding that Vinnie took Judy for granted and had underestimated the loyalty of voters for Joel Bernstein, which was transferred to his wife, 
who was in her own right more than competent enough to fill in his shoes. The election has forever changed politics in the 17th district. There has never been so much mudslinging and character assassination as there was in the Bernstein-Cochran race. It polarized the community. Accusations flew back and forth. The district was clearly split in its support for either Judy or Vinnie. Those who voted for Vinnie accused the Bernstein campaign of discouraging Cochrane supporters from voting, and Bernstein supporters accused Cochrane campaign of using the same tactics. When voters showed up at the polls, they were told that they had arrived at the wrong election site. This meant they had to vote at a site on the outskirts of the district. Most people simply gave up and went home without voting at all. This amounted to between several hundred to a few thousand lost votes. The difference in the election was that few people complained. So Vinnie had no choice but to reverse his request for a recount. The controversy would have gone on for months had it not been for a hastily scheduled joint press conference. But Judy and Vinnie stood shoulder to shoulder, smiling at the cameras and telling the public that they had their differences behind them. They both stated that it was more important for the city council-elect to move forward with the business of representing the district in council sessions at City Hall than for them to continue nitpicking over votes. Judy struggled through the press conference. The last thing she wanted to do was to share the podium with Vinnie Cochran. She had heard the rumors about his involvement in the death of her husband, Joel, but she put her feelings aside for the cameras as the good of the government was what everyone expected her to represent. A display of even the slightest hostility from the Bernstein camp towards Vinnie had had friends in the council could have led to filibusters by council members who were politically aligned with him. Awesome. Wow. That was great. Yeah. I mean, you know, what it, what, what it, the story that I'm trying to tell is that sometimes people, as you go through, if you follow these brothers, mm -hmm. is that you start out, or almost everybody, you know, that kind of breaks through in politics comes in as so-called an outsider. Right. You know, but you're only an outsider as long as you're on the outside. And then when you get inside, you're an inside. Right. And then, but, you know, sometimes people don't see it until they get there. And so that's kind of some of the struggle that, that goes on in the book because it's like, you know, you start out one way and then the system kind of like, you know, bring, brings you through. And it's amazing how, you know, on many levels people, you know, they fantasize and say, oh, we can do this or you, they do that. Or, you know, they can be able to, but, you know, in the end, it's a job, <laughs> you know, and it yeah. comes with a lot of stresses. Yeah. You know, it just does. And, yeah. you know, and, you know, people, you know, are being pulled and tugged. It's a public interest game, you know. You, how, do you, how, do you, how do you get things done and, and keep people liking you but doing the right thing? Right. Or, you know, how do I make sure that I, I stay in power and I sell out and, right. I, let, and I take money yep. from corporate America or you know, people that will control my uh, thinking, my decision-making, my independence. Right, right. People don't have it anymore. You know, we, they don't have a lobby. Everybody has a lobby. Yeah, but, but the people, yeah. but the people don't have, they don't have nobody really advocating for them. No. There's no, there's no fund for us, right. you know, to say, keep this this way, don't touch that. Right. 
Not to get into a whole nother segment, but I think that's just willful and blissful ignorance on our parts. I think we're okay being conditioned that you can't trust anything, so we're not even going to get involved. We allow a good-hearted or outsider Mm -hmm. to be walked through that system. I was told by a really dope person, if you get in and you realize you have a price, you know it's time to get out. Once you once you put a price on a decision you've made, it's uh, you're not working for that. There's right. only one reason right. to do it: public right. service. Right. right. And, and you got to get above the BS. And if you hold them accountable, and we wake up a little, I think we're coming to that moment where we're gonna be like, ah, oh, we see it, and we're gonna start yeah. making better decisions. But because a lot of Hopefully. people, a lot of, a lot of these, a lot of these people that are obstructionist, and um, I, I think some of them are just too old to just, you know, they're just not progressive enough. They don't Term limits would you know. be nice. Yeah, that would be that would be a good idea. Then you you always to restore faith in the service. Too many politicians have gone to jail. Yeah, and and also too, you know, it's like, can you still be effective? You know, when you you you've been in the system too long. Mm-hmm. You know, can you uh, be part of the problem after a while? Yeah, I, I feel like there's an appropriate quote here. Uh, how long, I feel like it's a Batman quote, how long are you the hero before you see yourself become the villain? Something mm. along those lines. Oh, okay. That's wow. In politics, when you have a price, get out. It's, you mm. sh- it should be, I'm going in this to do everything I can for the people. If you can't pass legislation, then focus on the community organizing part. If yeah. you make it difficult, mm. use the internet to like highlight the corruption that goes on. But if you eventually say, all right, I'll cut you this deal and I'll make these concessions and I'll ignore this need of my people, that should now be on our minds. Like, who's, mm. who's yeah. turning their backs on us? Yeah. Right. right. It's they hard should, to keep they, up with, but right, somehow we got to find a way. They shouldn't have that type of power. They shouldn't have that type of uh, uh, decision-making power over people that they don't care about. That's just the wrong job for you. That's the wrong job. I don't know what job is the right job, but that's not the right job. Kanye West said it best. No one man should have all that power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can go with that. Yeah. I can go with that. And on that note, guys, that's been our episode. Um I want to thank Oscar so much for, you know, Absolutely. joining us, the conversation. It's my pleasure. I yeah. enjoy it. I, you know, everybody, man. And again, you man, said May 4th? Uh, May 4th at Brownsville Heritage House. Awesome. Awesome. On Mother Gaston Boulevard. Pre-Cinco de Mayo plans, everybody. Get woke. Mm-hmm. Get woke before you uh, get blacked out for real the next day. Blacked out. Blacked out. <laughs> <laughs> Randy, I'm happy you're back. Thanks for inviting me back to be your friend. You'll always be my week. friend. You'll yeah, that's not true. You'll Rosalie always... curses at you. I do curse. You don't reply to her text. I do. Uh, yeah. I, that should be no surprise, though. If you've seen me, you know I've got a potty mouth. Filthy mouth? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but you're back, and you'll continue to be back. Always. Always, because we're best friends forever. Um, check us out next week. <laughs> we'll have more topics, more conversation, and just more 
honesty. more perspective. Yeah, more honesty. More honesty. Yeah, yeah, this is good. This is episode three, not four now. Whatever. The, the, we're, honest talk. Three yeah, we're the, we're three in. We're three in. Um, so yeah, guys, check us out. You know, as always, we're trying to bring you some of the topics that you may not have heard of, might have slipped past your newsfeed, or you just didn't really think to click the link. So in case y'all blacked out, this has been blacked out. Blacked out. Blacked out. Bye, y'all.